Good morning, good morning, good morning. So, as said, I'm Pastor Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, today is going to be good because this is going to be really interactive. So, you know, stretch out because you're involved. It's not just me. It's going to be you. So one of the first ways is when I raise this, you are going to respond by saying, he's not talking about me. He's talking about we. (laughs) Not about them, but about us. All right, let's try it. I raise this, you say, he's not talking about me, he's talking about we. Not about them, but about us. All right, very good. So, (laughs) for the last few weeks, we've been discussing what it means or what it looks like to have a healthy church. And the title of our series is The Healthy Church, God's Design for a Strong Church Body. And this is really important because as we talk about gifts in the spiritual context, it's really easy to get lost and forget about what's really important and of consequence in our daily lives. So we want to pick up where Pastor Susan left off last week But before we do, I want to remind you of two very, very important things from that discussion because they bear heavily on our conversation today. So last week's message began with verse 7 of chapter 12. And it states, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And it's important that we recognize that the gifts we speak of aren't singular entities in and of themselves. That is, uh, they aren't like a pair of gloves that you brought for uh, the recent gift exchange or a, a bracelet you brought for your girlfriend. No, they're not like that because if they were, uh, we could do with them what we want. Uh, if we wanted to cut the fingers off the gloves, that would be fine, right? Um, If we bought some sneakers, a new pair of tennies, and we wanted to mark them up with a magic marker, we could do that because they are inherently and singularly ours to do with as we wish. But the gifts we're talking about here are manifestations. They are indicators or expressions of the spirit of the living God. expressions, manifestations of the living God. So the, the kingdom of God is breaking in through us, breaking in on earth so that as it is in heaven, it is on earth. These are occurrences of God's will, and you just can't cut the fingers off of that. You can't use a magic marker on the living God. I'm just saying So these manifestations of the Spirit, they're given for a very specific reason. And again, from verse 7 last week. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. So again, equally important that we recognize that the gifts mentioned here really aren't given to us as individuals. As Pastor Susan mentioned eloquently the last few weeks, these are given to the church and expressed through individuals for the common good. 
of the church. That is, they're not given to bless you so much as they're given to bless the church. Excuse me. The phlegm demon is attacking me. So I need you to keep these two things in mind. It's extremely important. I'm going to repeat that again. I need you to keep these two things in mind. It's extremely important because as we look at these verses, this is the framework that these gifts exist in. It's the way that the gifts are put into use and are made most effective use of. In the same way, if we don't keep this upper conscience in our minds, we will fall prey to the same thing that Paul was teaching against in the Corinthian church. All right, all right, all right, wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. We're going to try this again. I appreciate you, Ron. You were, Ron was trying to lead the charge there. All right, okay, so he's not talking about we. He's talking about me. He's not talking about them. He's talking about us. All right. Okay. What, what's that? I... Oh. Oh, somebody. <laughs> it's good to know you're paying attention, though. That's, that's good. That's good. Because right. let's be honest, sometimes we don't know. We, we, we look out there and it's like, I think he's looking at me, but I, I don't know. Okay, so let's look at the text. 1 Corinthians, and hopefully it's the same text. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 20. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense, excuse me, of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body in the body, turning the page, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the first thing we notice is that the formation of the gifts is likened to that of a body, and it might be obvious and go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Even though the allusion is to a body, what Paul is talking about 
is the church. Okay? He's saying that one way to view the church and its functions is to view it as a body. So once again, it's important because people have twisted ideas about what the church is. People will often talk about the fact that, you know, I'm not going to go to that church anymore because they don't use the King James Bible. You know? or, or I'm not going to go over there because there are a bunch of hypocrites over there. Or maybe, uh, let's see, uh, you know, that church down the way, they don't do anything around social justice. I want to go to a real church. Worse still, worse still, excuse me, is the prevalence of the notion that being involved in a church is somehow inconsequential and irrelevant and something to be taken with a grain of salt in the absence of something better to do. In our series on the book of Ephesians, also written by Paul, we established that God has determined from eternity past to have a people that are his very own. That the church is not a human invention, but a divine institution. And the call to become a part of that divine institution is a call to union with Christ. That's huge. So that, that means that the church is, is not some external association. The church is not like your political affiliation where with the sweep of a pen you can turn from Republican to Democrat or Democrat to Green Party. It's not like that. It's deeper than that. It's, it's not like your uh, gym membership where, you know, that gym membership you signed up for at the beginning of the year where you started going and you kind of liked it for a while, but then one morning you said, you know, I think I'd rather sleep in. And the next and the next, and the next. You know who I'm talking about. In fact, I'm going to let you in on a dirty little secret in the fitness business. Gyms love you guys. <laughs> love you guys because they recognize that 30% of you are going to act in just that way. And you're still going to pay your monthly dues, which means that they can sell more memberships. And they're like, whoop, whoop, more money, more money, more money. Right? I'm giving you that for free. You can thank me later. <laughs> so going back to what we were talking about, the, the granddaddy of them all, though, of misunderstandings of the church is how many of us have said, I'm going to or I went to church today, as if church was the building or an event that you visited. Paul says no. Paul says church is people. Where many today see the church again as being irrelevant or an impediment to knowing God, Paul sees the church as the living embodiment of Christ. And as the living embodiment of Christ, the church exists to do his mission, his will. Like Adam in the Garden of Eden, before the breath of life was given, he, and by extension, we, were just dust. We were inert. We were dead, without life. 
In the same way, prior to receiving the Spirit, we're spiritually dead and without life. And now having received the Spirit, if in fact we've given our lives and our will over to the Lordship of Christ, we're knit together into this living organism called the church in which manifestations of the same Spirit are evident because of his presence within and amongst us. Now, I don't know about you, but that should make you do one of two things. You should either be excited, thrilled, or you should be scared to death. Excited and thrilled because, whoa, I get to participate, engage with the living God, not a theory, a living God. That's exciting. That gives you purpose. On the other hand, it should scare you to death if you attend a church and you don't see him working. One has to ask ourselves, if he ain't working here, why? Excited or scared to death? Those are are our two options. So Paul reminds us in verse 13 that we all have this same spirit, this same spiritual breath of life within us. And as such, We're collectively energized. We're collectively invigorated to do the works of the kingdom of God. Think about that. It's it's huge. Remember the, um, I'll come back to that. In verses 14 through 19, Paul addresses some of these implications. We see in the text that just because one part, one body part decides, if in fact that were possible, that they don't belong to the whole, it wouldn't make it so. We also see in the text that just because one body part decides that, again, if it were possible, that they're going to handle all the bodily functions on their own, that wouldn't make it so. In fact, that one's particularly crazy. We're going to do an experiment, okay? I want you to take your left hand and touch your left earlobe. All together now, good, and keep it there, okay? Now I want you to take your right hand and cover your nostrils, okay? And with all, I won't do that to you, and with all the strength you can muster, all the sensitivity you can manage, tell me what the person next to you smells like through your left ear. (laughs) Roses. (laughs) Roses. You've got a good ear. <laughs> for most of us, that didn't work out too well. It didn't work out for me. Uh, what about the other one? Uh, those of you who are into American football know about Patrick Mahomes. Now, if you're not into American football, it's okay, because we're praying for you. <laughs> there is salvation for you, too. But Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback, and he's a phenomenal quarterback. And in American football, the quarterback is kind of like the guy who runs the show. 
So he tells the other players what the play is. He tells, some, sometimes he'll take the ball and he'll hand it off to another player who will run with it. Sometimes he'll run it himself. And then other times still he'll throw the ball. And like I said, Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal at this. But last week, <laughs> last week he ran into a problem. He got tackled and he hurt his ankle. And he had to go out for a few plays. But he came back. Sigh of relief if you were rooting for his team. But something wasn't quite right. Because he threw passes and missed targets that normally he could hit in his sleep. He couldn't make a handoff to his running back the way he normally does. And he certainly couldn't outrun any of the, other te- of the opposite team. So what was wrong? What was wrong was his ankle. His ankle, being part of the body, screamed with discomfort when he tried to put weight on it. And being part of the body, his body responded. It didn't matter that his ankle was not an arm or a hand. It mattered that his ankle was part of his body. So in the same way, our deciding, and I, I've done this, but just let me say up front that, um, or in the middle as it were, <laughs> that you know when we give these messages, we aren't just talking to you, we're talking to ourselves. Right? And so I have done this, this very thing. Just because I've decided I don't fit in doesn't make me any less a necessary part of the body. And sticking with the metaphor, if you're an ankle and you decide, you know, I don't need to do that. That's for arms to do. That's for hands to do. Yeah, that's not how it works. How many of you remember the movie, A League of Their Own? One or two? Okay, baseball movie. Um, Women are filling in because the men are off doing war stuff, stupid stuff like men do. Um, And so the women are playing baseball and Tom Hanks' character is a coach and and one of the women is crying and Tom Hanks goes, crying, there's no crying in baseball. Well, here's the thing. There's no bench in the body of Christ. There's only active players. That's it. We're all in the game. Someone else doesn't get to do it. Here's here's another one for you. The pastors are not the ministers of the gospel. The pastors are the equippers of the ministers of the gospel. Well, Well, Mike, who's the ministers of the gospel? You are. The entire body of Christ are the ministers of the gospel. 
He, he didn't give a few to do the work of the ministry to the many. He gave a few to equip the many, the many to do the ministry of the body. No bench. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. All right. We're, we're going to run with it, but <laughs> we may have to practice more next time. So it's not explicitly stated here, but it means, frankly, that we're not here for ourselves, that individually or collectively. The purpose of God has always been to dwell with his people. We see it in Genesis where he walked in the cool of the evening in the midst of the garden with his creation. We see it with Abraham where he told him that through you, I will bless all the peoples of the earth. We see it in Moses' time where God dwelt amongst his people, Israel, who were to be priests and kings unto their God. For themselves? No. For the world. Because all of this points forward to a better call, a better redemption, and a richer inheritance. That's, that's why God gave us all of you. That's why God gave us all of your gifts. Blessings to each other. That's why he knit us together in such a way. Not just for the church, before the world. He tells us that if we proclaim it and if we demonstrate it, all men will come to him. He will bring men to himself. Well, proclaim what? Demonstrate what? The good news. Well, what good news? The good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom of God. I need you to get that we take ourselves far too lightly. I need you to grasp that we take our calling far too shallowly. God's desire is for so much more. We are the people of God being equipped for the purposes of God for all of life. And so I'm asking you in this moment, here and now, to drive a stake in the ground and say that you will commit to being the body of Christ for the Palo Alto Vineyard, for the Bay Area, and for the world. Stand with me. We're going to do something really cheesy. I'm going to ask you to lock arms. Now, I don't want you to contort yourself. That is, you know, I don't want you to try to go across six aisles of you know, traffic. But if you can, I want you to lock arms. And if that's uncomfortable for you, 
that's fine. I, I ask you to do some other gesture that, that indicates your solidarity with us in this process. If you're outside, I invite you to join us. If you're on the live stream, I invite you to join us because we're all part of God's body. We're going to sing a song. The words are going to be on the monitor. Um, it's a simple song, and we're only going to do a couple of verses. Um, but I want you to sing it, certainly not to me. Um, I don't even want you to sing it to God. I want you to sing it to each other. But we need music. No music. It goes, it goes, I need you, you need me, we're all apart, apart. You need me, we're all a part of God's body, stand with me, agree with me, we're all a part of God's body, it is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. All right. I guess we'll do it once. <laughs> This is live, people. We, it's the way it happens. All right, thank you. Go ahead and sit down. We got one last thing to do I, that I tend to do is I want to offer you something to read. Okay? Uh, something to read, Saturate by Jeff Vanderstelt. This is a great read for those wishing to grow in discipleship, in community with others, for the church and for the world. Saturate by Jeff Vanderstelt. Something to pray. Ask God to reveal to you what part you are to play in the body. Ask him what way the Spirit might wish to empower you to help us throw the ball. Do the handoff. Uh, what need might there be um, that the Spirit wants to fill through you? It might be in your workplace. It might be in your neighborhood small group, wherever. But ask him, and then once you hear from him, ask how he would have you respond to that need. Right? It's not enough to think about it. Right? It don't mean a thing until we do something. Speaking of which, something to do. Once you have an idea, and let's be clear, in the early stages, it's often just a nudge. Don't overthink it. Go with it. Once you have an idea, act on it. Act on it, and then in the days and weeks ahead, fill out a Connect card, shoot me an email or a text, and let me know what happened. 
Let me pray for us. Father God, I pray for our call and response needs help. Just joking. I apologize. I apologize. Father God, I pray that you would uh, awaken us and empower us to love you by serving one another. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us knowledge of your unique call on our lives as individuals and collectively as a unified body of believers. I thank you that you so loved the world that you sent your son, Jesus the Christ, to save it, to save us, to save me. I pray, Lord, that his mission would become our all-consuming motivation, that his compassion would move us beyond ourselves, and that his great commission would be reignited in our souls today. And just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.